Well, I'm curious, how many of you have had prayer answered before? Everybody? almost That's everybody, isn't it? That's interesting. I only say that because a lot of times it's easy to focus on when we have prayer that's not answered. So I thought tonight I would tell you a story. I don't think I've, I don't know if I've ever told this because it doesn't make me look very good. You know what I'm talking about? You know those stories you don't necessarily tell all the time? Uh, I had been in Bible college and um, seen prayer answered. I grew up, and I've told you many of those stories, seeing people healed, seeing my sister healed, and I've seen that happen. Expect God to heal. And uh, my first, when I first graduated from college, I was supposed to go to the, I don't know if I ever told you this, I was supposed to go to the Marshall Islands in administrative school, and then um, right before I bought my ticket, they closed that, and so I remember at the time being really, really bummed because I was really looking forward to that. And so I thought, well, what am I going to do? And I happened to meet with my advisor, and he said, why don't, you, why don't you do this internship? It's an old friend of mine. We went to Bible college together. And I grew up in San Diego. This was North County, San Diego, in Escondido. And I said, sure. So I went down there, and it was a full church um, internship, which was a great experience. I, I'm so glad I did it. But in case you don't know what that means, it means I worked in every area of the church. I, was, I became the janitor, you know, I opened and closed. I mean, you need to experience all this stuff. You should. I, I wouldn't, uh, it was all good. You know, I worked with a youth pastor who also happened to be the music guy, so I worked with him there. And then, uh, but the, one of the big things that was new to me, something I had never, ever, ever done before, this was kind of a retirement community, and so there were hospital calls every day. And so on one of these calls, I had gone with the pastor, and we went and visited this guy. He had um, been in a car accident, young guy actually, probably in his t- early 20s, and he was in a coma. I'd never experienced that before. Has any, have any of you experienced that before? Anybody prayed with anybody like that or whatever? So I went in to pray for him and uh, with, with the pastor. And uh, we, we prayed for him. We talked to him. We read some scripture, uh, sang a song even. And, you know, we were there for probably 30, 40 minutes. And uh, we left. And remember in the car on the way back, the pastor said, I want you to go see him twice a week. And here's what my thought process was. He didn't even know we were there because he'd been in this coma for quite a while. And his body, I mean, he was breathing, but he, he had a breathing apparatus on. And, and um, I mean, he still had some brain activity, but not very much. And, uh, you know, the nurses were, were wonderful. And um, I was obedient. I, I did what I, was, what I was told to do. And each of those visits, when I first went, you know, I was, it was uncomfortable to be honest with you, because it was really awkward, you know, and his, his skin was cold, and, you know, there was no response, and, um, you know, the nurses would come in and out, and so I started to develop, you know, a relationship, got to know the nurses, and, and um, you know, I would ask them, do you think it changes when, when we talk to them? You know, and some of them did, some of them didn't, you know, there, some were Christians, some weren't, but here's, here's what happened is, you know, I would pray that God I went back and forth. At first, I was praying, God, you need to heal him. Have you ever done this before where you, you know what God needs to do? So you start to, to tell him and then bargain with him and, and remind him not only what he's promised to do, but how good this would make him look, how many people would be saved, how many of these nurses would come to Christ if you would only raise him up out of bed and then let him preach to them or, or let him share with them the, the wonders of glory that maybe he's already experienced. And um, So this is twice a week for months. And um, 
Then I remember one time being really frustrated with God because I'm sitting there praying for him and I said, God, why aren't you answering this prayer? There's no change in this guy at all. And I remember him, uh, I remember just hearing the Lord say to me, um, how do you know me healing him hasn't already happened in his soul? <laughs> I thought, okay, I'd never prayed for that and I don't know about that. And he said, then I felt like he said, you, you don't know the communion we have, me and him. But, oh, you're right, I don't know that. And I don't know that. And I didn't know that. And I don't even know what that means or if, I don't even know. And then he said this, and this really bothered me. He said, how do you know that me taking him to heaven isn't healing him? I, I didn't like that, actually. Because that's not the kind of healing I prayed for <laughs> or was praying for. And I said, well, God, how am I supposed to pray for him? And he said, pray for what I put on your heart to pray for him. And, and my prayers changed. They didn't change that I, I didn't, didn't, did not, I kept praying that he would be healed. Kept praying that. I kept praying that he would get up out of that bed. But I started praying things for him that I would pray for someone who was awake. Like that God would calm his spirit and his soul. Because I don't know what, I, I don't know. I didn't know if he was just trapped in there and could hear every sound and was screaming as loud as he could, but nothing came out. I don't know. But I went through all that every, every twice a week for 30, 40 minutes. You know, I'd, I'd sit down and pray for him. And I, I, after the end of that internship, it was, he's the one I probably missed the most and, and legitimately probably because I spent more time with him than probably any other one person because it was twice a week. And uh, I visited him a few times after, and then he did, he did pass away, and I'd already, I'd already moved on, but um, that really changed me in the way I pray, because I used to go to God with pretty sure about what I needed, knew needed to happen, and there's times where I feel like he does tell us what needs to happen. I think there are times when that happens. Then there are times where I'm not even sure, and I feel like he says, pray, then, then pray what you think, and that's fine. But let me ask you just a question here. When you, <laughs> I don't think that's supposed to be the right, oh, you know what, don't look at that right now. No, it's just, I started in the wrong place. Can you go put it all the way to the first slide and just hit the play button at the top? So what, when you encounter unanswered prayer, and you may have wondered this before, what are some of the variables in prayer that, that determine whether prayer is answered or not? What do you, just from what you know, your experience from scripture, what do you think? You can speak out loud. Yes. Okay. She said, you may tell God what you want, and you may not get what you want, but you may get what you need. Okay. What are some of the other variables in prayer? Yeah, Kathy. Sometimes it is no. Okay. What else? He always answers. Yes, no, or... or Okay. What else? What are some other variables that you know from Scripture that you're aware of? Yes. You have to be more in tune with him to even hear him. He's going to whisper. Okay. And maybe worded another way is if you're going to pray in line with his will, you've got to know more what his will would be. Okay. Any, any other variables? 
Well, let's just jump in here for a minute. This verse, uh, James 5, 16 says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. This is an amazing, wonderful scripture. But if this was the only scripture and prayer in the whole Bible, what would you gain from this? This is where people have the idea that if there's sin in your life, you're not going to get an answer to prayer. Now, that's not all wrong. That's there. This isn't the only scripture on prayer, but, but let's think about that for just a minute. Have you ever, <laughs> have you ever um, maybe wanted your husband or wife to do something, but you, you had made them angry about something? How, how likely are they? <laughs> you, know what I'm, you know what I mean? <laughs> why, why wouldn't it be really a whole lot different with God? If your relationship with, with him is somehow impeded or blocked or in trouble because of things that you have done that, that are not cleared up, then, then that's a problem, and it could be a problem. But it's not the only problem. Some people make it the only problem, the only problem. It's not the only problem. It is one of many problems, but, but sin in your life could be a problem. I was wondering if you could tell, what is that image back there? Do you, can you see what it is? Yeah, it's praying hands. There was a guy's face there, but I thought it looked too creepy, and then I, now that I see that on the screen, it looks even creepier, but that's just somebody praying. Okay, so, so sin could be one of the variables, right? How big of a variable do you think it is? Do you think when Joyce prays, God is thinking, all right, Joyce, but remember in 1983, you did this one thing and you never said you're sorry, so no answers for you. That's not how he is, right? You know that. Okay, how about this one? But when you ask, be sure that your faith is in God alone and do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is, is an unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Now, if this was the only scripture on prayer, what would you say the key to answered prayer is? Faith. Unwavering faith. Faith in God alone. Now, some people have taken this verse as if it was the only verse and said faith in doctors is sin. I actually, this is personal experience. I was sitting in the congregation when a preacher, he was a visiting preacher, but he said, how many of you bought aspirin? You know, and of course, everybody's hands goes up, and he goes, that was a lack of faith. You were planning to get a headache. He, goes, if you, and I'm just, he said, if you believed in God and had faith, you would never even buy that. <laughs> and if you, if you, this was the only verse, maybe that would be true. Oh, I don't remember. That's a good question. I do not remember that part. But I do remember this. I do remember thinking, man, he's really, he's really putting a lot on one, one aspect. Does faith matter? Yes. Faith is enormous. Faith is, is huge. But it's not the only thing. So, so far we got two variables, right? With sin and faith. Okay, let's keep going. Um, how about, even he rendered, okay, oh, let me just go back for a minute. This is a parable that Jesus told, and in this parable, this lady comes to a, a judge, but he's an unrighteous judge, and she wants justice, and she keeps coming to him. And at one point, he says this. Even he rendered, oh, wait, the judge says, I don't care about God and I don't care about this lady, but she keeps bugging me, so I'm going to give her justice. So some people struggle with this because Jesus at times would use an example that was negative to show a positive. This is in no way to say that God would be an unjust judge. But what he's trying to illustrate here is he says, even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry, cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? 
What's he trying to tell us here? What's a variable here? What? Persistence. How many, you know, how many of you keep going to God? It seems like you're bugging him, doesn't it? Like you're nagging him. But he tells us to do that. Why? I'm not sure. All I know is he wants you to keep coming, keep praying. How long have we been praying for Taylor? It's been two years, maybe three, two years. And I'm sure at times you're like, God, two years. It is a short time compared to a lot. But you're supposed to keep praying. And there's things that, there's things we pray for that, you know, yes, in our timeline, it's, it's difficult to understand. God, why wouldn't you do this sooner? But the bottom line is he tells us to be persistent, persistent. We keep coming to him in prayer. Let me, let's, you, uh, I think, Elaine, you're the one who said that God always answers. He does always answer. He says yes, no, and then might, might be later or wait, or eventually, or another time. Here's, here's what's difficult about that. How many of you remember as a kid when you wanted something really, really bad, and you went to your parent and you asked? Do you remember this? Does anybody remember this? And you wanted it really bad, and they might have said no, or my mom would always say, we'll see, which actually meant no. That's what that meant. So, but I, I didn't like that answer. That, that answer was really frustrating because when she said that, I'm like, just tell me no then because I don't want this false hope. But, but here's the thing. Do you remember that and you remember how frustrated you could be? And maybe you know that now from the other side as a parent. And when you say those answers, what's behind that answer that you give? Because you know best. And why do you know best? <laughs> Carol said, because we're old. Carol's not old, but Carol said that. But what she probably meant was, you have way more life experience than your children. And when they ask for something, a lot of times they don't know all the ins and outs and ups and downs, and they don't know the consequences that are embedded in that decision. They have no idea. And you, as a loving, caring parent, there are times where you're going to say no, and your child will not understand. And they will stomp off. And they will say things that you say, but you don't say it this way, right? They'll stomp off and they'll say, well, so-and-so gets, it, gets everything they want, right? Well, so-and-so has it, right? I've asked a million times, right? And they compare and they compare and compare. We do the same thing, just, just it may not be a new dress or it may not be the latest electronic gadget, but it may be something else that we've been praying for. And you look at God and you think, why not? What is he, here's what you should ask. What does he know that you don't know? I mean, outside of everything, but I'm, what I mean is there are, there are details to the situation that you do not know. So what you need to do is lean on the fact that your father knows best and trust him that his answer is good even though it's not what you want. It's not the answer you want at the time. So let's jump into this a little bit. I'm gonna propose something to you that might seem a little radical. There are certain things he will always say yes to. Anybody have a guess what one of those might be? Yeah, we're not there yet, but yes. Let's start with this. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. And I'm glad this is true. I, I wish he would give more of it. And I ask every day. But I'm not seeing more that I, as much as I want. But here's the thing. 
He will give it to you. This scripture says he will give you wisdom. No question about it. But those hands kind of look like a cloud, don't they? Okay. Uh, and how about forgiveness? Will he ever deny you forgiveness? No, that's yes. That's always yes. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. Wicked. I don't think of any of you as wicked, but um, the NIV says unrighteousness, but wicked is a cool word. All right, um, forgiveness. And then salvation, for sure. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He will not deny salvation to anybody. Those three things I propose to you, he will always, always, always answer. Now we're going to get deep and philosophical and theological why why would he answer those three always yes what do you think okay maggie said it's his purpose what did you say you can't go wrong (laughs) okay what do you mean by it's his purpose yes yes these are character issues that we take into eternity see do you hear that is it just me okay sometimes i wonder is that just me but okay yes these are things these are character issues which we take into eternity here's something i think we forget and but if you think of these in terms of you being a parent and your children asking you for something when they ask you for things just think of all the all the factors you put into your no now maybe, I, I remember thinking, my mom said no way too quick. She didn't even think about it. So then I would go back and try to bargain and reason. You know, as you get older, you try to reason with mom and dad. Did any of you guys do that? Did any of you guys get irritated when your kids would do that? I said no, no means no, right? And then when they say why, what do you say? Because I said so. Okay, and, and those answers were not very satisfying. But as a parent, you know all the metrics that go into those decisions you make. You know because you're looking way, 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 way out ahead for them, right? You know how these things could be very damaging to them in the future, right? God is no different. When he gives us answers, he's thinking the long, long, long version. We're so stuck in the short version. We, we think of it just as in the momentary. We want it now. For most of us, it's all about, now, and this is going to seem harsh, and believe me, I, I understand. For most of us, it's about comfort in the temporal, right? In this world. And is that important? Yes. Didn't Jesus say that, you know, look at the lilies of the field and how they're clothed better than Solomon and his, all his wealth? Yes, he cares about those things. But if you're going to measure those, he's always going to say yes to the eternal things out there that go on forever and are comfort things that, that are only about this world, and I know that's hard, are tough. Here's another, here's another variable. Um, another variable is the free will. And there's, to me, there's four parts here. Our free will, I said theirs, because I'm talking about other people that interact with us and their will conflicts sometimes with ours. And then the out theirs, anybody know what I'm thinking about there? We know that there's spiritual beings out there somewhere that have some effect on the world. We just don't know what it is. And I'm saying that based on, for instance, Daniel chapter 9, where the, the angel comes to Daniel and he says, I was dispatched in answer to your prayer 28 days ago, but the prince of Persia detained me. Remember that? Okay, so we don't know how that works, honestly. That's, that one little glimpse 
is all we really get into that realm. So we don't know much else about it. But we do know that there's some effect there. And then that last thing, is, of course, is the biggest one, and that is God's will. So let's take a look at a couple of these. In James again, James chapter 4. Yet you do not have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Now, I'm sure that's not true of any of you. However, for a lot of us, life gets, comes down to that, and it comes down to wrong motives. Wrong motives. Um, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears us. He hears us. His will, he hears us. You might word it like this, his priorities. I think when we say will, it's a good word, but I like that, the, that thought, that twist of it being his priorities. What's important to him as opposed to what's important to us? Let me ask you another question. Why would God say no? Why would he tell you no? To protect you? Okay, what else? He knows it's not good for you? Oh, I like that. He has something better? Okay. How about things we ask for that actually violate God's nature? Have you ever done that? <laughs> Probably. Uh, maybe it's just, maybe I was just stuck on my childhood and whatever, but I was thinking about this. I distinctly remember getting in trouble at church and my mom and dad's, or my mom said, your dad will take care of this when we get home. Have you guys ever had that happen? Okay. And I remember that entire ride back praying the entire way back in the back of the seat. And I can, I can picture the car and everything and praying, oh God, let him forget. Let it not happen. Let him, you know what I mean? Don't we do that? Don't we pray that we won't have to experience the consequences of our sin or our actions? I mean, we pray that kind of thing all the time, but, but that alone would violate God's nature of, of, of justice and, and love and truth. I mean, it wouldn't, that wouldn't be who he is, and it would be, it's funny though, that's what we pray for. I mean, we pray that way. We, we act as if what we want right now in our mortality and, and now is more important than God's nature and his, his, his justice and mercy. How about this one? God's timing. We mentioned that before. But there are things that we want now and we want it on our time schedule. Here's something I think is very difficult for us as human beings. We, we, we live a very, very uh, linear existence. We have a very distinct beginning and a very distinct end. And all of our days are governed by beginnings and ends, right? You've got, you go to bed at a certain time, you get up at a certain time. I, I said good morning to Deb earlier and she corrected me as was right to do, and it's time, right? I mean, t we, everything we want, we want now. And we live in, in a society that's so accelerated and everything we do is in a hurry. And, and um, <laughs> you know, I think about how closely I pack my schedule and I was thinking about it today. I had to be somewhere at a very specific time and I thought, I am so dumb. Because I have no control over what's going to happen on the freeway or, or that, that little rain burst we had, you know, which I wasn't out in it, but had I been, you, do you hear what I'm saying here? That's how we expect God to do on our schedule. But he doesn't do that. He's not thinking like that. Now, of course, he's aware of our schedules, but he's also aware of eternity. And what he m values most is eternity. You know, I've, I've struggled with this at times, you know, where... You know, I pray for somebody and, and I think back to that scripture where uh, that, that story in the New Testament where the, the guys lowered the, the, um, the guy who was, I think he was, wasn't he, um, 
paralyzed or something? And what did Jesus do? He saved his soul. He said, your sins are forgiven. And they got all irritated because he shouldn't have done that because he wasn't God and only God could forgive sins. And, God, <laughs> and he goes, oh, well, you, would, it, would it be better for me to heal him? And then he healed him. Remember when he asked the, uh, the guy at the, uh, at the pool and he said, what do you want? Do you, and the guy said, well, I want to walk. I wonder sometimes if what he was saying was, do you want your sins forgiven? Because in the big scheme of things, what matters most is that. That's more important than anything. It's always about our soul. I mean, we think about the the things that matter to us every day and our comfort, and, and it's not wrong. It's just that he's on a whole different plane from us. <laughs> when we say that about Father knows best, do we really think he knows best? Do we really trust him for that, though? No, we don't. Thank you, Cindy. When you're answering a request from your child, what are some of the things you think about? I mean, as I go through those things, you know, I do think about how it's going to be in the future, and then, you know, we've got three kids, two girls and a boy, and I think about how it will affect the other kids, and I am not one that thinks fair is equal, but I do think there is a certain measure of fairness that things need to be done and how they're done. But something else I think about is, can we afford it? Do you ever think about that? Do you think God ever thinks about that? Can he afford it? Right. Of course he can afford it, but he knows what it really costs. And there are things that we ask for that, that aren't in the budget per se. It's not the best thing at the right time for you. I remember when... Uh, I was saving my money after high school. I, I had a, you know, summer job. I was working for an electrician. I had all this money banked. And I had my eye on this uh, Corvette in the neighborhood that had been sitting there since I was a paper boy. And um, I could afford it. And my dad said no. And I was so, you know, it was one of those, I was 17 and I was going to college and it's my money. Right? And he said no. I said, Dad. And it's funny because he was so right. He was right. I mean, it, it was sitting there for 10 years. <laughs> it was probably a piece of junk, first of all. But, but here's the other thing, which I wasn't really thinking about. I wasn't really mature enough to be driving a Corvette with a 400, 427 in it. Seriously. He knew that. I didn't know that. And I was frustrated with him. But, but really, it, it was the best decision. God, when he, when he thinks about the cost, he thinks about what it's going to cost you down the run, down the line. What is this going to do to your eternal soul when you ask for certain things? Will it improve your character? Will it be something that gets you more and more and more like his son? Will this thing that you're asking for develop you into the image of his son? Or might it be better for you to walk through this? I was talking with a lady in our church. She was want me to visit her son who's in prison. I'm happy to do it. And um, through tears, she was telling me Sunday, she said, this is the best thing that could have ever happened to him. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that from a mom through her tears. Because the road he was walking down was going to end in death sooner than later. And where he's at now is horrible. 
but it might be the very thing that changes his life. None of us are in prison, in this room anyway. But there might be things we're walking through that are actually better for us down the road in eternity than what we're asking for. That's hard to hear. God's priorities are different than ours. His priorities are totally different. You know, we we think so short-term. He thinks long-term. We think comfort. He thinks eternity. He thinks salvation. We, We want certain things now, and he wants better things forever. It's hard. I... This verse always comes to mind, this Isaiah 55. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And Carol, like you said earlier, our, our goal should be to get to know him so well that we kind of get to know his thoughts. God, what is it you want me to pray for? And I'll pray for that. I want to pray for what you want me to pray for and I want to be what you want me to be and I want to be changed into what you want me to be and changed into. Let's, let's go back to that, that James verse. The prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective in its working. You probably heard that verse before and I'm not sure what you took out of that verse but here's something to think about. When you look at a verse like this, I mean, you need to think about the context that that verse is in because when you read it, I mean, you, what do you see that he's saying is the key to effective prayer. Righteousness. But my question to you would be, what kind of righteousness does he mean? And here's why I'm asking you that. Hopefully whose? Christ's righteousness righteousness and not yours. Well, and kind of where you're going with that, Carol, is my point. Because if you look at the righteousness that Paul talks about in his letters, that's what you're talking about. But if you think about what James talks about as righteousness, it's not quite the same thing. And why that matters is, as you look at a a verse like this, you need to look at the context of the verse. And then you need to think about the author and who it was written to and how they would have understood what he wrote. Who is this author again, James? Which James is this? Jesus' brother, right? He, He was the leader of the church in Jerusalem we see as early as Acts 15. At the first council, James is running the church. Pretty amazing transformation. Going from an unbeliever, then the, then the resurrection changes everything, and he becomes a leader of the church. And, and if you look at the two, I mean, if you look at Paul's definition of righteousness and then James, some people have really struggled with this. Because Paul looks at it and says, by faith, you are changed, and you are granted righteousness because of the work of Christ on the cross. But then you look at James, the book of James, and then James says, Faith without works is dead. It's about works. Paul says it's not about works. James says it is about works. So some people see a conflict there that's unreconcilable, but as most things that people see, it's not quite like that. So what kind of righteousness? Let's take a look first at Paul here. Paul says in the book of Romans, as the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. We know that. For everyone, I'm skipping around in the book of uh, Romans chapter three here. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. Nothing mentioned about works here. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty from our sins. And then just a little further on in that same book, can we boast then that we have done anything, works, to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law, which would be a work, 
It is based on faith. So we, we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. And in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, what does he say? It is by grace we are saved through faith and this not of ourselves, lest anyone should boast, right? But then James says, It says, you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. And there's the key. Basically, what you see here is Paul talks about, and this is true, when we ask for forgiveness, God, God knows we can never do enough works to qualify. It has nothing to do with that. We are given righteousness. But then what James says is we are shown to be right. Our, our righteousness is a natural outgrowth of what has happened in our heart. So what James does is he, he talks continually about the character of the righteous. And he's, he talks about the character of the righteous as somebody who confesses sin. He talks about someone who is impartial in the way they treat people. Somebody who doesn't suffer with jealousy or selfish ambition or pride or spiritual pride. He says the righteous should be humble. What he's saying here is that you can tell they're righteous by how they act. He talks here about the royal law. He says, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal laws found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. Where do you hear that, you think? That's right out of the Sermon on the Mount. That was Jesus. And what Jesus did with the royal laws, he took the Old Testament law and he intensified it. He took it from just following simple rules and only going so far and he gave us an overarching rule of loving people and doing whatever was right. There's no limitation on that. That goes beyond everything. Paul says, Paul says we're saved by faith and James says this is what saving faith looks like. Paul looks at what goes on internally in our hearts and James talks about the external results of what's happened in our hearts. James speaks to the man who's all talk and no action. And his simple message is that true salvation always proves itself. Jeff, could you put that music on for us for a minute? Here's what I'm going to ask you guys to do tonight. How do you ensure that your prayers are answered then? It's, it's really, I say simple, only in that you need to pray according to God's will. Exactly what Carol said from the beginning. It's, it's, that's what we need to do. And how do we do that? We need to make sure that our motives are pure. We need to, you need to search your heart and know that what you're asking for is what he wants you to be asking for and to be that persistent in prayer. When I look out at this room, I know that there's things you guys have been praying for to walk, which hasn't happened yet. But we keep praying for that. And Taylor's not healed yet, completely. But we continue to pray for that. And Carol, we've been praying for for that financial situation and all those other things and we will con- yep and we will continue to pray for that and we keep praying for baby Leon and we're going to keep praying for that I can keep going we can pray for your boys Janine and for you to be- breathe better right and we keep praying for that we keep praying for it keep praying for your grandson Dodie we keep praying I mean there there is no end to these things am I right but we keep praying for those and we know that God's will is for those people to be saved, for them to be forgiven, and we keep praying for that. And we will keep doing that. So here's what I'd like us to do for just a few minutes. I would like you to go to God with some of those things that you keep praying for. And I just want to continue to agree in prayer with you for those things. And I don't want you to give up. I want you to keep praying. We keep praying for your dad's back. You know, I'm sad that, that, was, that he had a setback there. But we're going to keep praying for that. 
and keep praying for that and trusting that God would do that because we know that he has our best interests in mind and that he is a father that you can trust. Let me just close this in prayer and then you're free to pray. Father, I am so grateful that you love us, that you care about us. God, I'm thankful that you know what's best. I'm thankful for that because I know that if it's just up to me, it's, it's just up to me and that's not good enough or, or far thinking enough and it's not your will and I want, I want your will to be done, whatever that is. God, I pray for these things these, that we've mentioned here in the room tonight and then beyond that. Father, I pray for relationships, people in our church that are struggling in their relationships, for marriages that are struggling. God, that you would bring answers and reconciliation. I pray for those who are struggling financially, God, that you would intervene in those situations. Father, I pray for those who are struggling uh, physically. God, for, for some that just, I just, we continue to pray. Pray, God, for Debbie Atwater, that you continue to heal her body, that you would do a miracle in her body. God, we come to you with these things and we continue to pray and we trust you for these answers. And we pray these things in your son's name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.